Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. The stories of science in this country have largely been written by men. And when you think about, you know, when I think about being in high school and even younger, like the scientists you mostly heard about, maybe you heard about Marie Curie. She was the token woman in the way the stories of science were told. But Liz Heineke has made it a bit of her literary mission to help expose some of the women uh, as a part of science, the women who have made major contributions. And her new book is just out, uh, right in time for Women's History Month. She can stem 50 trailblazing women in science from ancient history today. And Liz is with us in studio today. Liz, uh, it's so great to see you. Great to see you too, Jason. You have been writing books as the Kitchen Pantry Scientist uh, for, gosh, when did you write Probably your first book? 2014, so it's been about 10 years. Yeah. yeah. My, my kids were very little when they were uh, photographed in one of your books. Yep, they're <laughs> some of my model scientists. <laughs> they're so cute. Um, what what drove you to really research these these? Frankly, untold stories. There are so many women in this book that I think most people have never heard of. Well, I think part of it's when I was writing, you know, my first science experiment books, I started to realize that one of the best ways to teach kids about science is to tell stories. Mm. But most of the stories I was telling um, were about famous men. And um, I grew to realize I started doing research for a book on Marie Curie, and I grew to realize how many fascinating women We're working in science. You know, women have been in science for the last 2,000 years or more. We just haven't heard about them. So I wanted to tell some of their stories. And um, my book tells the story of 50 scientists from past to present. It's 50 women who were in the scientific landscape, um, made or are making important contributions. But um, I also just want to make the scientists relatable. So when when I write about these women, I write about their science. I write about how they struggled for recognition. I wrote about their discoveries, but I also write about, you know, their childhoods hmm. and their child, like what, what did they like doing when they were kids? How did they get interested in science? Like some of these women, some of these modern scientists, um, like Dr. Nadia Mason was on the national gymnastics team. Um, Dr. Wow. Ch- yeah. Dr. Um, Chanda Prescott Weinstein um, was an amazing um, dancer. She went to the school for the arts and, and did modern dance and jazz dance. A couple of these historical scientists actually study music with Gustav Holst, who's a famous composer. I mean, these people just have huh. cool, cool stories. And and I think there's something for young, well, there's something for young people and adults to grab onto about that, right? Yeah, I've had a lot of adults tell me, I think I enjoyed reading this, you know, as much as my kids did. Huh. Um, because these are all relatable women. Yeah. Um, and it is really astonishing to read their stories and about how so many of them didn't get the recognition they deserved. You know, there's more than one story where a woman made the discovery or did the work and then their male, you know, often they were graduate students, their male advisors took their research and 
won a Nobel Prize for it. Or, you know, they did the experiment that allowed someone to prove their theory and then the man they were working for won the Nobel yeah. Prize. Um, Alice Ball discovered a cure for leprosy um, and and she died and her, you know, the guy she was working for took credit for that. So mm. uh, luckily, and, you know, Rosalind Franklin, we've all heard about her. She discovered the structure of DNA but was not awarded the Nobel Prize um, do you, do, you think, do you think that is changing at all, or is that just sort of a structure, like part of any sort of hierarchical structure is that the boss is going to take credit for the No, other? it's absolutely changed. I mean, I think now, certainly, I mean... Well, you just blow the person up on social media and destroy them for stealing <laughs> so, your work. Yeah, you I definitely suppose. could. It I is mean, easier, right? Yeah, I mean, one one student, Birchin, or she's a, she's a PhD scientist now, but Birchin... Um, Mutlu Pakdil, who was actually, I think, got her PhD at the University of Minnesota, discovered a galaxy that's named after her. And I believe she was a graduate student when she discovered it. And she got credit for that discovery. Things have certainly changed. Um, People are no longer limited by their gender. There's certainly still um, sexism exists in the world of science. I mean... Um, well, it and exists it's, in the world, right? So it exists it's in the world. Yeah. Yeah. But in, in it's worse in science. It has been because for, for a long time it was just a traditionally male. I, women did, you know, medicine, but yeah. sort of hard research science. A lot of that was very male dominated. But Liz, that's changing now, luckily. Liz Heineke is with us. Her book is called She Can Stem. 50 Trailblazing Women in Science. Which which story surprised you the most? You didn't know about all these women. before. Oh, my gosh. No, yeah. I didn't know about many of them at all. Oh, which story surprised me the most? I guess one story that surprised me, um, I didn't realize that a woman figured out um, what the sun was made of. And once again, the, her two, the two men she worked with, they did, she, she was studying all this data that was coming in from they were taking um, pictures of stars. And she was studying their, uh, their colors, their spectrum, and trying to figure out what they were made of. And she realized that the sun is mostly made of hydrogen with some helium. But the two men she worked with didn't believe her. She was a PhD student at the time. And they, um, she had to, in her thesis, sort of say, well, you know, I thought this maybe, but it's, apparently it's not true. And later they, like, came to the came con- same conclusion, oh, wow. took credit for it. Huh. I mean, there are so many stories like that. Yeah. And it's not it, – it, it does – I mean, it makes you angry, but it also just makes you happy that – it's not like that anymore. Well, that's what I was going to ask it you. Makes, I mean, if it's hopeful. Yeah. That's I such, mean, kids can read so this and say these women fought these battles. All these scientists from diverse backgrounds. I write about scientists from all around the world. But these women, you know, historical ones fought these battles so that modern um, scientists today don't have to fight all the same battles. They really persevered and were role models. Um, so I want every kid to read this book and be able to you know, see something of themselves in the scientists. Maybe like, oh, this scientist loves coral reefs. The scientist loves sharks. You know, this scientist is a gymnast or a musician or a dancer. Yeah. Um, and see themselves a little bit and, and just see that you can love science and be interested in the world around you, but you don't have to be like this, you know, like the Albert Einstein. Nerd. You don't have imagine. to be like a weirdo nerd, right? You don't have to be. You, and you can, can be. if you want to. Like right. you can be like me and just embrace it, Jason. Yeah, well, I'm... <laughs> I think most people would put me pretty squarely in the nerd camp as well. Liz Heideke, uh, her book is called She Can Stem. When you think about this book, obviously, you know, girl moms and girl dads are going to be inspired to share these stories with their kids. Uh, When my kids were younger, like I was also my two boys, I was always trying to tell them these stories also. 
So I wonder, yeah. like, when you think about this book, like, I just think if you're a parent, period, uh, reading these stories is is important. It is important, whether you have boys or girls. And I have never geared my science education towards any gender. Yeah. I think it's important for all of us to read read history, read the stories. Um, and uh, one thing I forgot to mention was each biography has a little hands-on experiment. So kids can try out a little science related to the work that they're doing. So if they study about, if they read about Mary Golda Ross, who was, um, her grandfather was a chief in the Cherokee Nation, but she became an engineer for NASA, worked on aerodynamics. So kids can read about her and then they can make paper airplanes, which nice. is like, and you know, just check it out. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Each, each story, each of these 50 stories has a little hands-on. So the beauty of this for a, for a book, for a kid, is you, you can pick a scientist and do one each night or each week or whatever. Absolutely. You can read them in order. Yeah. They go from past to present. Or you can just like find scientists that like marine biology or whatever your kid is interested in. You Are know? you encouraged, Liz, when you look at, you know, when you look at the number of women working in science? You know, today it's we have more. Obviously, we started from sort of a crappy starting point, but there are more women working in science today than ever before. Absolutely, and one thing I find really encouraging is apparently people study these things. But you know, even as opposed to ten years ago, when they ask girls or they ask kids to draw uh, a scientist, yeah. kids won't won't just draw men; they'll draw they'll draw girls, women. So that's really cool. I love that. Yeah, I love it. People can find this everywhere. Everywhere books are sold. Yep. The book is called She Can Stem, Liz Lee Heineke, H-E-I-N-E-C-K-E. Uh, and we'll tweet it out, too, so you can check it out. Liz, it's awesome. So good to see you. Thanks for having me on, Jason. Uh, get the book. Share it with your uh, friends and with your family. It's 349. We'll take a break. When we come back, a little bit of a shocker about airplane mode on the plane. Yeah, we'll talk about that next. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.